So welcome to our podcast, What Makes a Difference? And we're talking about is online grooming, child exploitation online and that kind of stuff. And we're delighted to have Lawrence from... Mary Collins Foundation. Yeah. Very nice to you, Lawrence. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's an issue that I don't think people genuinely realise how common it is. And I'd be staggered if your listeners weren't aware of somebody that or know somebody that this has sadly happened to. Um, what, what we're basically talking about is really how a, a child is, is coerced or manipulated, um, either into sending images, meeting individuals or discussing sexual aspects in regards to that. So it's quite prevalent um, today that we're, we're having this discussion on the back of a UK report by the National Police um, Chiefs Council, where they found that a significant proportion of, of young people are either being groomed or be, be grooming other um, children in regards to um, sexual information or images around that. Mm-hmm. I think also probably from the conversations that we've had with you, Lawrence, I think what's really important I suppose for us to stress is that the information and the knowledge that you'll share with us today applies to us all. It's not limited to a generation and these things can happen to any of us regardless of age. And age is not a barrier, nor is it a guarantee of online safety or immunity to these experiences. No, no, absolutely. I mean, if, if you think the foundation itself is named after Mary Collins, um, who herself was uh, sexually abused back in the 1960s, and that image was uh, that abuse was recorded through cameras, and then been subsequently helped by the offender. And we don't know where those images. Mary herself will say, you know, I don't know where those those images are. When we look at a- adults within relationships, sometimes it's an offence in the UK. I know some other countries it um, is also uh, a criminal act is what's called revenge pornography, where uh, an intimate image has occurred and then either through a breakup or as a form of getting back against the other partner, these intimate images are then shared either on the open platforms or within the the individual's uh, network. So, yeah, at at any age, and sadly, and um, to to any family, social economic background, is no protection at all from, from this crime. Yeah, because this really all started, wasn't it? Say, was it about the eighteen seventies? Yeah, I mean that, that's. I think everybody thinks of of image based sexual abuse as as a new thing, and um, yes, no, it was it was yeah, absolutely right. Uh, an incident occurred with a Victorian, and um, what what we found was he was a photographer, and what he'd done was that the Metropolitan Police raided the. Of the property and found there was um, just under uh, 130,000 uh, indecent images. Not all were children, but but were still indecent, and there were children amongst them. So this started way way back um, when cameras were invented, really. And obviously, as technology has progressed and cameras have been uh, around, then those images, because of the the nature of them, and and back in the the uh, later part of last um, century was you'd have to go and get the films developed and or you, 
if you'd done it yourself, it would require a lot more technical information. So therefore, it wasn't so common where, I mean, if you think now you can, you know, record either photos or video recordings, incredibly easy. Most people have got that ability in our pocket and we can send that everywhere. So because of the ease, what we've seen is is that it's increased um, and expended. But yeah, this is absolutely right, Rich. This is not a, common, uh, a new issue. Well, going back to Victorian times, that required specialist knowledge, wouldn't it? So you'd have had very limited scope of people who would have accessed that, been able to access or develop those films that time anyway. Yeah, and and if if you think as well, the, the legislation um, would have been very different. So mm-hmm. one, you'd had people, not say, not reporting it. So in some cases, not actually being a, a, a legislation or viewed as a, as a problem. Uh, I, I think... You know, when we're talking about how how things have progressed, it wasn't until William Thomas Stead in um, 1885 looked at the a piece of legislation that was going through Parliament, and it was the Criminal Justice Act of of 1885. And within that, they were looking at the brothel laws, and um, he identified that actually there was a concern with people that were sexually abusing children under the guise. Um, that that was um, part of uh, the sex industry. And um, he set out to prove that actually that's not the case. I wouldn't say he done it the best way. He worked for the Pall Mall Gazette and with him with a a couple of people, one was a midwife, one was another uh, sex worker prostitute back in the day. They went to the house of Eliza Armstrong. They they spoke to Eliza's mum and they said, you know, actually, can can your 13-year-old daughter come and work for us? Victorian London, it wasn't unusual for children to, to be in employment. The the family said, yes, that's that's fine. Eliza um, left the, the house believing she was going to work. And um, what she didn't realise was that actually she was checked by the midwife to make sure she was still a virgin. She was drugged. And then through the Red Cross, she was um, trafficked out to, I think it was Paris, where she was put into a brothel and um although we William Thomas said never said that she was ever abused and he only wanted to see the process so he could write about it um however that would still have been a, a traumatic and she stayed in Paris for for a long time once he'd once he'd seen this this that this happens and there was uh, a I say a market in brackets for it um what he did was he then wrote about it, and it was under the title of uh, "Maiden Tribute to a Modern Babylon," and um, it was in the Pall Mall Gazette, and it, it was a, a sensation. Victorian London was a, a buzz um, with with this publication. They were horrified that this was happening to children. And one of the things William Thomas Stead identified was we need a, a criminal age of um, sexual um, consent, and he proposed the age of sixteen, and he put it in there, and. Um, uh, politicians were reading this there was a public outcry and everyone agreed that there should be and that seemed a good age and that became law so at, in the UK our, our age of sexual consent came from a, some journalist in 1885 now at the time that was only applied to females and at the time that didn't apply to um, people who are married so that you know, as the years progressed that has slowly changed and it, I mean it's, it's quite sad to think that only recently we, we've now seen that equality in age, uh, the age of sexual consent, so same-sex relationships and gay sexual relationships are no longer a different age group or illegal. But you know that has taken um, a good part of a hundred years for us to get there. So we, you know, we do develop. I mean, in in that case, you know, although there were some good outcomes for it, I mean, history doesn't tell us um, what happened to Eliza um, once she was um, eventually returned back to her parents. 
but I don't know if you've ever seen My Fair Lady or aware of the work of Pygmalia. Eliza uh, is reported to be named after, so Eliza Doolittle is mm-hmm. reportedly been named after Eliza Armstrong. Uh, the family did recognise that was their daughter and they went to the police and um, William Thomas Stead did receive a custodial as well as the midwife. And it's interesting that the midwife got um, longer in prison than um, William Stead did. But he was last seen on the decks of the Titanic um, when he was released off to make a new life for himself. So our concept of and our understanding of, of sexual trafficking, sexual abuse of children, the recordings and sexual consent really goes back to Victorian times and it's only you know the 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 20th century that different laws have have really started to look at that and that's quite often um uh, an international picture as well in respect to that um so yeah so so um yeah that that was it really on on say the history of of where we got to and where we got to now Mm -hmm. so even back then when people were having indecent images taken of them and there was them brought in that legislation, there absolutely would have been less awareness of that kind of thing then. But I think that also references today with people being exploited, people being groomed, indecent images taken of, and people either being not knowing about the legislation or understanding that they where they stand within that, as well as that not wanting to report it because of fear of sexploitation. Mm. it's it's one of the the most difficult areas um for us is dealing with the biases around this and the whole the whole side of things the the legislation in 1978 in the uk the protection of children act that that was the the first piece of real legislation that specified the making taking and distributing uh an indecent image of a child um under the age of 18 was an offense so it, it, it really um um, at that point but the the issue is is that didn't and you know and rightly so didn't realize that how common taking it pictures would would be and how easy videos were. no one was looking at the internet back in 1978 um although it was just about um it, it was only known to a very few um, number of people so so we have we have said the legislation that's often still used which is which is quite old and not relevant to, to this issue Back in those times, it was very much seen as, you know, because of the efforts you had to go through, that actually wasn't seen as a, a, a major issue because of the nature, as you rightly said, Rich, uh, because of that. And then what what we find is, as as it's become more common, and um, that we're, we're now dealing with with this, I mean, just to give you an idea, in uh, America, one of the, the, the main centres for uh, assessing um, child sexual abuse material, which is what indecent images are, are called, um, in 2022, they had 32 million reports that they were they were reviewing. Um, so, you know, when we when we're looking at, at this as a growing problem, um, the NSPCC themselves um, identified this as an 87% increase since 2019. This is not a problem that's going away or an issue that's going away, and it's it's about actually the the individual having the 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 confidence to be able to come forward and and speak about that, but for the bodies they're going to to really understand that actually people have carried this um, for for many years and actually are very fearful about giving this information and 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 um, how that will be dealt with. It it really is uh, one of those that I I think that you know when you when you speak to survivors who have gone through victims and survivors who have been sexually abused either through technology or or 
directly in contact, the the fear and the shame and the guilt um, just carries. And it's such a shame because it's not it's not their guilt or their shame to have. It's the offender. It's the person who's done it to them. Certainly, never the victim and 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 survivors. But these are very real emotions, and you, you know, and I fully understand why a person feels like that. And for a number of, of people, you know, they 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 will feel either unable to or not ready to to tell anyone for for many many years. And for some people, it's it, for the whole life, and they they will never tell anyone. Um, so you know, where we're seeing the increase, the the aspect is is helping support people because it might not be that the person wants to go down the police um, road. It may be the offender is no longer alive, um, so there there may be reasons for that. But actually, the person may still be struggling with the trauma or or dealing with the aftermath of of the abuse. And actually, you know how they can seek support and. Whatever that looks like, like I say, it doesn't always have to be criminal criminal um, response. There are other therapeutic services out there. So can we, I suppose, to clarify, we're not just talking about about images that are, I suppose, of you, the individual, but images that may be sent to you both constitute, in certain circumstances, abuse. And I suppose picking up on that, that I suppose reluctance to talk about it, raise it, or do anything about it. There's that element of the sheer portability of images. The fact that images can be transferred over the internet, they can be transferred phone to phone, they can be transferred through social media, means there's there's a, I suppose it's that fear of the lack of control of that information as well, isn't there? So I suppose two questions there for you, Lauren, sorry. That's uh, no, that's right. You know exactly, exactly right. Yeah, no. Just just to clarify that that any any um, sexual image or indecent image of a child under the age of eighteen um, is an offence in this country. There, there's no there's no grey area in regards to that. It's a nice clear piece of legislation in, in respect to that. You can't control what people send you. So if someone suddenly was to send you that, um, I would be one concerned that someone in my network was sending that. Um, information and i would have concerns of of what risk they may be to children and that sort of thing and again if people do have a, a sexual interest in children uh the lucy faithful foundation have a stop it now helpline that someone could go to and say look i have this interest i don't want to, i know it's harmful but i just i just need support to deal with that and and um you know they will do that it's a very confidential service and um they're, they're there to help and um stop so stop sex offending is again another uh, uh, organisation that's uh, through counselling and, and therapeutic support will get people to, to find strategies that will hopefully stop them offending in, in regards to that. You, yeah. if um, but for some children, sorry, go on, Rich. Does this legislation also go across to um, people using AI image generators? Yes, there was a, there was some changes in in the um, legislation. And they keeps keeps being ad- adapted. We're quite fortunate in this country that we would have it would be classed as um, pseudo sexual images. Mm-hmm. So so we can have that. However, in another country, they they may not have that piece of legislation. Equally, the challenges for for, for law enforcement is if the offender is in a country that we don't have any um, extradition with, or this is not an offence for. They can create, so they could take uh, your 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 voice and your 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 image 
off of this podcast or something, put that through a, a system and then produce a uh, an indecent image or an indecent or an intimate recording. And you would know because you would you would see the the individual's um, body and go, well, actually, that's that's not actually my body. That's my voice in my head. And but that's that's oh, the rest of it's not mine. But most other people don't, so they don't. You know, you don't tend to walk around naked. So again, it's information. So you 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 may find yourself in a situation where through either AI um, generators and that sort of thing that people may can think that's you, but actually it's, it's really not. And again, there is a, another debate where people say, well, actually, if someone was to go on an AI and just create a 100% AI generated sexual image of a child, then that means that a real child's not being harmed or abused. So is that not a better thing? Um, obviously, from a psychological perspective, no, it, it's not a better thing because that's unfortunately that's not how how we work as human beings, and that's why, you know, really, if anybody does have any sexual interest children, all of that and the thing with child sex dolls and all that is actually no, that's that's not um, the the right approach. That individual needs to get that support to stop them having those thoughts or those those um, sexual um, arousals. So if we. Good then to, I suppose, the definition of what would constitute an abusive act in terms of the distribution of that information. Because I think sometimes there's that lack of, of awareness of what that actually means. You know, you only have to look at the press and you see in, you know, in recent, recent days, you know, the news coverage about the, the prevalence of the sharing of of very explicit pictures in under 16s. And that's not an age group that's that that's limited to. You know, there's a there's a growing growing issue with that that is now being talked about more often, that there's almost that that extension of that I don't even know if I would call it flirtation. I don't because I, I don't think it sits in there at all. But it's almost like there's a there's an almost like a a grudging acceptance that this happens, but it shouldn't. Yeah, it's I know where where you come. I think I I understand the um the the challenge. The reality is 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 as as we progress and we we develop, we have sexual interests, and uh, you you know. Some of us, when we have to think back of our teenage years, they are further back thoughts than than one would care to to admit. But you, you know that what I'd say is to the to the listeners is you know consider your own when you you know what what was your first consensual sexual relationships in the early stages with your boyfriend girlfriend and and what did that look like and and where did you go and I, back back in my day it was first base second base third base and I don't think anybody really ever knew what these bases were but we had a vague idea what 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 they what they were in, in regards to that and and like I say because I'm of a of an age where technology wasn't out there and that sort of thing so if if i was um, in my early intimate um stages back as a teenager it was more an in-person thing it was you, you know the um the field out the back behind the youth club that sort of thing and you know when when parents go away and and that so as as as, as um 
children through, you know, their, their latter teens and early adulthood start to become um, part of sexual relationships and relationships um, are, are building on that, then then they, there is that element. What's new is that technology has now got, got involved. So for, for a child, what's the difference between, a you know, back in the 1980s at a, I don't know, the, the football field around the um, back of the, the scout cut or where, wherever it, it was, getting intimate with your, your, your partner there to being in the bedroom, your own bedroom with your door closed and being intimate online with your consenting partner that way it's it's not there's there's risks to that because that image can then those recordings of those things can be shared out but actually there was image there was risks back in the the, the field the football field and, and mm-hmm. those sort of things so there's there's an understanding that relationships have are moving on they're, they're evolving and technology is becoming part of that now i'm not saying that we should say, well, that's fine. You know, that's that's what happens, and um, there's no risk. There, there are risks because there's an intimate image that's being shared out um, in respect of that. the The challenge comes when we, we start applying legislation because uh, an illegal image has been made, albeit not under coercion. Some may be through coercion, and it may be that for for some people, it's not until. They're either listening to this podcast or, or a few years later, they've, they've thought back to some of their early sexual experiences and think, actually, do you know what? That wasn't as consensual as I thought. And I'm not talking about regretful sex because um, that's slightly different. But if there's been coercion, threats, manipulation, force, that's some, something very different. And they may think, actually, I didn't want to do that, but I was pressurized to doing it or I was, I was blackmailed into doing it or, or threats were made. So again, you know, though, when we talk about sharing any images that have been sent, that they, there's different motivators behind that. The the problem is, is we're still we've got parents, and I say this myself as a parent, who've grown up in the 80s, 90s, who have not had this, and we've now got you know um, teenagers who have now been had nothing but technology and very much see it as part of uh, the the their sexual developments in in respect of that. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering then, as you're talking about how consensual it was, is when does that go from consent then to exploitation, to grooming, to becoming coercive, and all the other stuff that comes along with it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's incredibly say, complex, the, the whole element of, of grooming, but there's a, it's a very simplistic um, basis to it. Um, just, just to give people a, an understanding, I think, People think that this is an ongoing thing that happened, and it, and in some cases I've worked with, it has been a, a long a long term um, relationship. But in in some um, grooming, it can take as little as nineteen seconds. With I think the average within um, some gaming site grooming um, was about forty five minutes um, when we when we looked at that. So it doesn't have to be a month or or two year thing. Can I just is that Lawrence? Because personally, that floors me every time I hear you say that that on average online grooming can take between 19 seconds and 44 minutes from start to finish to point of coercion and point of abuse. 19 seconds to 44 minutes. Yeah, that came, that came out in some some research where when they looked at um, social gaming um, environments. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it, it was that. And that's what we tend to see um, 
with certainly the cases I work with in, in regards to that. And we have a bias, and, and that's not a, a, a dig at anybody. We, we all have this, and we've evolved to recognize threat and risk. And actually, our, our threat and risk is often physical. It's, it's usually the level of aggression or, or physical harm that's that's been linked with that. And, you know, lots of people will say, well, why, why don't the individual just switch the, the device off or, or do X, Y, and Z? And again, when you understand how an offender works, when you understand the methodology to, towards um, online grooming, you can often see why. And actually, I often think, why would someone not want to be be part of this conversation? So, I mean, what, what we tend to think is, is if you can imagine the, the, the forum, so it may be that you can be groomed through a social media um, conversation. It may be game, gaming. So if you've got your, your gaming microphone and your headset on, you're you're chatting to people. You're already engaged in in one game. You're so you've got already a connection. And again, you can very quickly um, start talking or steering the conversation. Um, certainly, an offender um, that I've um, worked with back in the past um, said to me um, once. So he said, oh, "I'll know within about three minutes whether I'm going to be um, having sex with that child by the end of the night." Now. That's literally a three-minute, very dangerous individual. I'm glad to say is is still in prison. But Lawrence, what, sorry, doesn't yeah. isn't not rape rather than sex? Is that not rape? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. sorry. I was using his. That's how yeah, he sorry, saw yeah, yeah. saw, saw yeah. the world. Oh yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Yes. Um, no, just for people's um, clarity, for for rape is the yes, um, ears. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. No. No. Absolutely. Yes. Um. But. Um. Yeah. If what what we're talking about. Um. There. So was that how he saw that he would see someone and think, well, actually, I can have have sex. So yeah, a bit abuse rape. Um. Within about three minutes, which which is gen- genuinely concerning in regards to to that that level of ability to to read a situation. But if, if you think, the example I often give is, I don't know, if you go away on holiday and you travel abroad and um, you go, I don't know, you go to the bar, the pool, the seaside, whichever does it for you. And the first person you meet is, say, from the UK, if you're in the UK, if you're listening to this from abroad, from, from the country that, that you're listening from. And all of a sudden you'll start striking up a conversation. Oh, that's unbelievable. I can't believe the first person I met in a bar is from, whereabouts are you from? And if they say somewhere fairly local to you, it's like, unbelievable. You're, you're only an hour down the road. I can't. Believe. And all of a sudden, you're you're now engaging in a conversation. You, you guys are because you've got some shared relationship with the individual. Um, in regards to that, so on social media, we'll often see that there's gaming sites, shared gaming sites. We we may put what our hobbies and interests are. So again, we might put on. Someone can say, "Oh, I see you play um, football, or you support." Um, leads uh, I support them or I support Manchester you beat us we now straight away we've got uh, a communication um, from that side of things so you have those type of offenders you have some offenders that will look at it and they'll they'll play the numbers game if I send out a, a message to 500 children saying you look gorgeous and you have to have one percent that will reply will say thanks and now I've got a lead a lead in and you, we can oversimplify from that, say, the child's perspective. And we say, oh, you know, don't talk to anybody you don't know online. And then we're, we're falling back into that stranger danger sort of like, um, myth is, as well, where, where we're actually saying at that point, well, actually, we, we do speak to, to people we don't know. Yes, we should 
we should have our guard up. Someone's just suddenly sent me a message that I don't know out of the blue saying something complimentary. What what's that about? You know, is is gonna but but again, you know, if they've got friends or they're chatting to other people or people you know, or you're playing a game with them online, it's not it's not an odd thing not to reply. So it's it's usually in those initial stages. And again, it's these, you know, it's very skilled individuals often that that we see on that. Now, again, often people will say to to the children we worked with or to adult survivors and victims, actually, why did you, you know, why did you continue? Why did you reply to that? Um, and again, we start very quickly blaming the victim in, in regards to that. Why should they not reply and say, thank you very much? Yes, it, it you know, it is a concern and that, that sort of thing. But it's not if they were... If we never engage with people we don't know, we would never have a circle of friends beyond our immediate family. And that's, that's, a, that's just a fact of life. That means then that any time you change job, do you not speak to anybody? You know, it's these are skills we all have to learn. And it's almost what we're talking about here is risk mitigation and risk management, really, isn't it? Is how yeah. do you that risk so that you remain safe so that your children your connections your friends remain safe while still being able to have have a connection with the outside world yeah and 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 so that that grooming that you know it's it's about manipulation um it's about building that relationship and then um manipulating um or or getting the child to to comply to to what you want so once we've got and exactly that once we've got that 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 link, that hook in, in regards to that, then often, then the offender you'll see will go a number of different ways. So it may be that um, they'll start exploring about the child's life. So oh, where, where do you live? Who do you live with? You know, and that side of things. So they can start to get a, a bit of an understanding. It, uh, it may be that the offender would think, well, actually, you're talking to me. So I'm talking, will you send me an image? Do you share? Is often what we see. And that's going straight to, to the point. And then we may see um, individuals will share pictures of their genitalia. And it's not done just because they're thinking that's, you know, a lovely picture for everyone to see. It's, I always put the, uh, the analogy of the needy friend at Christmas that, that would say, oh, oh are, are we sharing um, gifts or, or that sort of thing? Here, I brought you a gift. Open it now. And you're thinking, oh, they've given me enough time so I can quickly nip out and buy them. A, it puts that little bit of coercion that I've shared with you, you need to share with me. You've, you've said, I've sent you something you need to send me. And when we look at offenders and we ask them why they do that, a number will say that's the reason they share the images because it's, it's, it's almost it's almost like the, I want to make you feel safe. I recognise that I might be uncomfortable with the fact that you've shared this with me, but I, I don't want you to feel unsafe. But that's that in itself is a manipulation, isn't it? It's almost like they're manipulating that sense of guilt, that sense of anxiety about the connection you've just established to get something that they can then use and manipulate and coerce with. No, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 like I say, but it's it these are all subtle psychological um mm. uh, techniques that are that are being used. Well and the, it's all sorry, Lawrence, it's all sales, isn't it? It's reciprocation. I've given you something. Give me something back, and, and that's that's grooming, you know. And and the thing is, we all do it, you know. I think any parent listening to this, is, you know, is when your your child's kicking over that, you think, okay, how am I going to play this? Do you, am I going to be the friendly? Am I am I going to be nice? Am I going to distract with this? I tell you what, if you do that, I'll give you this, or you you wanted that. Let me go and do that. We 
it, we all do that. It's human nature. If there's a last chocolate bar on the on the plate and we're all being polite and saying, well, does anybody want the, the chocolate bar? I'm going to use certain terms that is going to increase the odds that everyone's going to go, no, I'm full. Thanks. You have it. I'm, I'm not stupid. So it it is it is part of that. But um, it's and because because it's so effective, because we see it in sales, we see it in relationships, we see it, we know it works. And and like I say, offenders take that to to the next level um, when when we're looking at that. And the the bit out of it all that that saddens and angers me the most is when the offender then puts puts a twist, and you'll often see it in in the chat logs when I'm analysing them, or when I'm I'm doing the, the direct work with a victim survivor. And then they make the child believe it was their fault for what it happened. That's when I get really cross with the offender because I think you've you've not only have you you've you've manipulated this, you've you've built a relationship, you've now betrayed that relationship with an intent to harm and abuse the child, and actually you've also tried to put it on the child that it was either what they wanted or that the child was somewhat in agreement with that, and that's usually never the case. Um, it's just a technique because it. It, it, the offender will 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 not want the child to to feel that they can go and tell other people. So, as an adult, you know, mm. shame is a really powerful emotion. You layer that with blame and guilt, and then you've got another level of coercion, another another level of control, which prevents that disclosure because there's that sense of well, it's my it's my own fault, it's my responsibility. I made somebody do this. I made this happen. And that in itself is incredibly destructive. And that's as well as the perpetrator wanting to protect themselves, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's a absolutely rich. Yeah, it's a silencing technique. I think I think it was it tortures the soul um, research that looked at um, the impact of image based sexual abuse and and um, that side of things. And one of the things it it identified was actually the fear the victim has in other people not only seeing the image but actually thinking that they were complicit in it and that sort of thing and again a perpetrator you know these these are these are all techniques that are done by the the, the perpetrator the you know I can't stress this enough the victim survivor has done absolutely nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong and if it wasn't for the offender that the uh, victim survivor would be able to interact online have relationships, whatever, without um, this harm being done. But it, it, you'll often see it, and for that exact reason, Rich, that, that that's the offender doing their best to, to reduce the, the child disclosing. So much as I don't want to give anybody a playbook for how this mm -hmm. is done, I actually think sometimes there's power in recognising what happens because this is about informing people that says, these are your red flags. These are the warning signs. These are your point where you pull back, where you go, no, I understand that process and I'm not, and I'm, I know where this could potentially lead and therefore I'm going to withdraw from this interaction because this is a point of safety. So where do people put the boundaries that keep them safe, Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me, it's... It's all about, say, say, the communication with the trusted adult. If if the the individual is a child, but the uh, internet filters they have their place. Um, they 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 can help to a point, but no technology covers everything. And you know, we've got my my son's got filters on on their 
their devices. One of my children just gone to a different age group now and, and they're at the stage where I'm going to take some of the, the restrictions away as, as they get older. And he sort of said to me, oh, I can't chat to certain people because of these. I said, okay, I'll come and do it in a minute because I'm a rubbish dad. That was probably about an hour later that I eventually went up to to, to change them. And he said, it's all right, I've got around it. And of course, he might have like, really? And, and I won't say how. He said, oh yeah, I've done this, this and this. And I said, oh, well, okay, brilliant. And there's nothing else I can ever do. That's embedded within the game and um so i said i said oh, okay oh well i'll change them anyway in regards to that so it's it's one step that 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 is is protective for me it's particularly for children who are, are moving into starting that transition into adulthood um and, and moving on there because you know we do have to respect kids privacy online the temptation is that every day i do a full download of everywhere they've looked at and everyone they've chatted to but i don't think particularly given some of my children's age they would they would find that and um you know equally how am i going to deal with if i find something so and i'm not telling parents how how to to be to be parents what I'm doing is, is just putting both sides of the, the, the it's argument. A, it's a bit like if you think about it, the social media to a certain extent has replaced the concept of the diary, isn't it? Yes. If you read your child's diary, then the question is, should you read their social media? And, and that's about giving each individual the privacy and the boundaries, but making sure they're informed enough to be safe to operate within that. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's if a parent has a has a concern. So if a say behaviour was was indicating actually there's something going on here, or the the parents gone past the bedroom, they've heard a comment, or or heard something, or or friends come and told them that there's concerns. You think actually, you know, actually by having that conversation with the child, saying no, you know, this is this is where I'm at. What um. One, what we, we've 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 certainly supported a, a family where the there was a concern, and the parent looked at the child's device, and there was an intimate image that they had consensually shared with their girlfriend, and their girlfriend had consensually shared an, an image back in regards to that. But actually, the 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 child's shame with the parents seeing this particular video of them were, was such it had a devastating impact. And these were really cool parents, you know. They 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 were really you know un- understanding, but it it was one that the child really struggled to get over, and you, you know had a significant impact um, on on their relationship. So what I tend to say to parents is, if you've got a concern and you think actually I'm going to just check your device, is actually you know, do you do you put some caveats in there? Do you say, I'm really worried and therefore I'm going to check your advice. Are there any th- images on there that actually you're not going to want me to see? Because then if the kid says yes, then I'm still going to have that conversation. If they then say no and the parent then decides that they are going to go and do that, then just, you know, that it's not always a, a good outcome in, in mm. regards to that. And because of those potential images being taken, that coercion, that control that may be had over that particular individual, what signs can parents look out for, you know, to go, this child, my child could possibly be at risk? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it is difficult. So what I, what I want parents to, to, you know, 
we're great as parents as blaming ourselves. Everything, you know, is, is it, oh, if only I'd done this, if I'd only done that, if only I'd done that. that but again, you know, let's put the blame where that's due. That's with the offender. But what, what we tend to see, obviously, if if your, your child was using terminology that wouldn't you wouldn't expect or, or raises concerns with your child in sexual um, terms of that sort of thing, if um, they say in brackets have an unhealthy, so almost fearful of not being able to access the device or fearful when people are around the device, that not necessarily indicating that they're, they're being abused. There may, there may be other reasons, but that might be that they're fearful that if they don't answer within a certain time frame or they don't respond, you know, to, to, to deal with that. If their child, children often, if they're trying to disclose it tends to be very roundabout um, way of doing it. My, I and working with a couple of families where where they've said this, both parents have said, "I knew, I just knew something was wrong. Their behaviour was off. They was ju- they weren't the child I knew." But then they both said, "But I didn't think it was this." They just they said, "I thought it was bullying at school. I thought it was that." What I tend to say is, you know, if we know something's not okay with our kids, we say. How is it? is it? Is everything all right? Yeah. Is everything all right at school? Yeah. Is there a problem with your friends? No. Do we then go and is everything all right online? Do we do we just check out that environment as well? If their, their behavior you know, is just reinforcing that you can speak to me, but also giving the child other options. If this is um, that the child's been forced to do some some really intimate recordings, they may not want to speak to to their parents or the carers in regards to this. So it's about saying to them, saying, look, there is, you know, um, organisations that you can speak to people about. There's teachers, there's, a, you know, within the network, the child's network, although that would probably be quite small, but giving that child that there's areas. And also speaking to, you know, if you are really worried, you know, don't, you're not putting anybody out. This is the people's jobs is, you know, speak to the school, ask for the designated safeguarding lead or the, the, the child's teacher or their deputy or head and say, I've, I've got concerns. There's there's something, you know, not not right. My child's behavior, they've become more withdrawn, they're more angry, and they're more defensive about certain things. There's, there's this, this, and this happening. So get other, you know, I've, I've encouraged them to speak to you because they might say, do you know what? We're, we're going to have a, a conversation. Oh, that's great. I'll have a chat and just just reinforce. So you, you're maximising the opportunity for that for the child to, to tell you. When I'm working with with individuals who have experienced trauma, and I think, Rich, you're probably the same, a big part of that is giving them the, the, the assurance and the comfort that this is a blame-free zone that this is a guilt-free zone, that actually none of that is in this space. And I think that also applies to that conversation with that child because sometimes those conversations take a while to happen. Sometimes you have to build that faith and that trust and that commitment that this is blame-free and guilt-free and that there's no place for this in this conversation and it's not going to be layered on top when, when when you choose to have it. It's about giving that child the assurance that it is okay to have that conversation, that that they can trust you with that. Because the amount of pressure that may well be on them, it's not, as you say, it's not as simple as saying, well, actually, I'm just going to cut all their contact, contact with the internet. I'm going to remove their mobile phone. If anything else, that may actually significantly increase the pressure, the fear and the anxiety for that child. And it's, it's a big ask, you know, for... for... For a family, 
and it's you know the child is not going to take usually you know think okay now mum's done this dad's done that carer's done this now's a really good time to sit down it, it doesn't work like that the, the the information will come when the information comes and actually it's you, you, you know the, the the parents response is often what's really worried the child um in regards to that and if the the, the parent well you know we often say yeah fake it if you need to you know the the, the game face the poker face whatever it is just just to say to, to keep the conversation going we always you know say steer clear of the why word because mm -hmm. that that's not a, that's not a good word well why did you send the image is straight away the child oh this is not a good conversation i'm gonna you know you know tell me more about that oh that you know show some empathy in in your head you, you're doing a thousand and one other thoughts cursing the day that broadband was invented and all that but but just showing that child that as you said ali you know this this is safe you can tell me because that's that's what we want we want to encourage the child and actually you, you know the temptation is to say right that's it to protect you you're no longer going on the internet and i can i can tell you that uh, many cases where that i've worked where the parents said i've i've blocked them from the internet and i go oh, okay and i've i've gone and spoken to the child i'm chatting to the child i'm going to, are you still able to 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 go and uh, online? Oh no, no, mum, mum or dad or or you know, um, care has blocked blocked me on the internet. Okay, but are you still able to? Are you going on a devices order? Oh yeah, well I go on my friends one. I just update update my my Instagram account and I go okay. So so actually, what we've done is we've almost created another level of secrecy. Um, and I'm not knocking the child because I do exactly the same. So it's it's about. But you, we still need to respond. We, you know, we still need to put protective factors in. So it might be to say, look, do you know what? Why is we're dealing with this issue? Can I ask that, you know, you stay clear of this particular social media site in, in regards to that? It might be that actually the, the, the grooming is to such level and the control that your friend has is at such level that you might actually, as a parent, have to say, you, you know, I, to protect you, I need to block everything bit because of these factors and uh, you know hopefully though if there is i say a, a game console or, or that sort of thing you might say however you can still do that but i need to be in the, the physically in the room with you i need to take devices over that but that should be in the extreme um, aspect because we need to show the child we we trust them particularly if they've been tricked the younger children spoken a lot about teenagers but for primary school age children they may not realize that what's happened to them is, is some sexual abuse. They may just have thought it was a funny game that somebody they were chatting to online was doing and that sort of thing. So it's about, you know, how we 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 show them that that support is out there and actually that they can come to us because if it happens again or there's other concerns or, or the child might have more to say, there they, they may be more to the story than they've initially told. That's quite common that, you know, okay, just keep telling them that drip, drip, information um, that, that comes through on that people can always check their history you know that the um, history on on the system um, around those sort of things but it, it really is um, and having those conversations we quite often hear they're difficult conversations to have it's quite good if there's a good news report or a good tv story or oh i just saw this on facebook uh that you know this happened i mean my children all know what i do i've i've, I've done this job uh for for too many years so they're very very aware of my work and, and what it looks like and and that sort of thing but um you know i was chatting to my son about uh, a, a new trend that's that's occurring and i said oh we're dealing with this and i was chatting to him and he, and he looked at me and you yeah, know that happened to my friend 
And I, I did look at him and said, you, you do know what I do for a living, don't you? You could have come and spoken to me. And he went, oh, yeah, I could have done. So sometimes it's about if we don't ask, the, the child may think, oh, I won't mention that. So it's it's those, those you know, um, pinch points where you think, oh, this is a bit of an opener. I've just heard this. Have you ever come across that? Has that happened to any of your friends? Always, I always ask friends rather than you because that's more defensive and um, find out that way. But um, That's also you, a point I suppose that I wanted to raise is that sometimes this there isn't a gender bias in this. This can happen to any gender and in any form of relationship, in any combination of relationship. You know, it's, it doesn't matter. It's not limited to childhood, to teenage years, to early 20s, 30s. It spans every age generation and every gender. Mm. I, and, absolutely. And to add to that as well is you said you're mostly focusing on teens and obviously then on younger children with not recognising that it's until later. But I think that goes across the whole spectrum people may not realise they're in abusive relationships until however many years later they go, that was that, that was that was not a normal relationship, that was not a right relationship for you to be in. They don't recognise that the abuse or the neglect or whatever that goes along with that. Yeah, often it's it's that reflection. Mm-hmm. And particularly, you know, if, if people have moved up. And and again, you know, if 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 people listening to this think actually I I I have been in an abusive relationship. You know, they they, they can. We're, we're fortunate in this country. We we don't have a limitation on um, any of these offences. So you can go and speak to the police. And and you know, we we've, we've focused very much on on the harm and negative. But just just to say, I work with police forces and um, local authorities and social workers and schools throughout the country, and well, internationally as well. But if we focus on the UK, and there have been significant advances, significant understanding on how to support victims and survivors, how how to respond to to, to this incident. Mm-hmm. There are uh, independent services, and and um, y- you know that there is a, a significant amount of energy um, put in by authorities to identify children who are being harmed and also to pursue people who are online or on the internet with an intention of sexually harming children this isn't that people aren't doing doing it i mean obviously limited on on some of the the, the techniques they use but um you know if, if anybody is out there and they're just worried about actually how will that that be dealt with i'm not saying every every service you're going to have a gold standard response i wish i could but but what I say is that you should do, and if you don't, um, you know certainly you can you can complain in regards to that, and it would probably be the minority um, of cases because of our understanding now. Yes. If so, you become aware that there are intimate pictures that that are of you in the public forum that you have not consciously chosen to place there, how do you have them removed? If you're child you can go on something called um report remove so if you google report remove that's with the internet watch foundation which is an amazing charity that has the the job of scanning the open net the networks looking for abusive indies images and getting them taken down a very quick uh, success rate uh very good um organization they joined um with childline so but the the child can Look online. Basically, they have to give a copy of the image to the organisation. They'll hash it. Um, so, 
basically, do you remember those painting by numbers pictures that you had numbers and you colour? So it, it basically looks at a picture and just turns it into a set of numbers. So think of a painting by numbers. It's not the actual image they look for. And then they will constantly, that that will just go on a file, that they will constantly be searching. So when, whenever uh, an image is, is sent online and that sort of thing, all the big networks and that sort of thing goes through this filtering system and they will say oh we know that's a, an abuse pitch and they'll get that that removed so there's there's the option there if the um individual if it's an adult so we're talking about revenge porn and that sort of thing um within the uk we have the revenge porn helpline um by um southwest grid for learning a, again another excellent organization that that really understands um one where you stand legally because that that is an offense in the uk and actually what you can do to have steps to, to have those removed um, in regards to that. Uh, if if you're worried it's, it's happening to you or or that that's, it, it may be not, it extends that. So maybe a child has, I don't know, shared an image with another child consensually. And now they're thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Then, you know, they'll ask the other child to delete that. And then if they don't, then depending on the child's age, you can either include, you know, schools or the police. And, and that's, can quickly be done because that's not been shared uh, more more borders. So there's numerous ways um, that that can that um, that can occur um, in regards to that. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, thank you very much. Have you got any key takeaways for our listeners? Yeah, I'm, it's. I think. I think. Like I say, it's if if this has happened to you, and sadly, like I say, you know this this is this is not a an un- unusual um, form of abuse to happen. There is support out there. It isn't whatever you think. It, it isn't your your fault. It's um, a horrible thing. And actually, you know, when it's ready for you, definitely get support and advice and guidance. And it doesn't always have to be um, legal support or, or uh, with the police. That's an option you may have. You may just want to start speaking to someone more therapeutic or from a, a mental health um, background, if that's so, what what helps. Just to clarify, if so, if somebody contacts your your organisation, Lawrence, and says, "I have concerns here," then they still have the ability to make a choice over whether or not they then maybe make a disclosure to the police. Obviously, if there's actually a a child abuse situation, then you're probably legally obligated to disclose that. But but there are, there's still choices to be made that you would inform them of. Absolutely. And um, what what we can say quite often when a a parent contacts us and say, look, this this has happened, is is we can explain the process and some of the the challenges that the family may may experience within that process. Um, And often that's enough for families to go, okay, now I understand. Um, If they've been unfortunate, uh, you know, on those rare occasions to so to not be getting that the support they should be that sort of thing that's when we tend to wade in as well and um just just sort of say no this is not you know best practice or this is not following um police guidance or or social services guidance and that side of things but um but yeah i mean it, it's 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 that conversation with the child and um i mean on our on our website we do have some resources for parents on on talking to your child if you've got concerns so um some techniques that that parents may find and also one for for parents as well if you find out that your child has been um exploited or abused through the use of technology you know this is not any by any means uh, a reflection on you as a parent this has just been they've been just very unlucky and it can happen to my child as much as it can happen to any other child so this isn't about good parenting bad parenting it's just sadly a, a, an offender targeted 
your child. So that's that's what I and just keep it say an open mind. If if your child's behaviour changes and and there's something not right, what I tend to say is is go with your parents' gut instinct. Then there is something wrong. Explore what it is and and, and speak to other professionals because amongst the, the child's network, you may create the situation for them to either come forward or for you to start picking the putting the pieces together. Yeah, and I also think it's not about being paranoid. Yeah, not not everybody online is is there to groom groom and you know harm harm your child. And it's very easy when you know there's news reports day after day, and we look at the 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 stats in regards to this. But you know it, it does happen. But but equally, a child can equally go in and chat to 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 and interact in forums without being abused but it's, it's like i say it's it's just been aware of those thank you i think you. what we'll also also do is as we as we normally do we'll make sure that the contact details for the mary collins foundation is available in our show notes mm -hmm. um, and any resources that you can pass on lawrence will certainly make sure that they're available and there's links to those too yeah you did thank mention you. a few organizations as well so if you could we'll put them in there as well mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your for your, your conversation. It's been yeah. really worthwhile. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. No, lovely.